Um, I wanted to talk about some things that have been happening around the church. If you are, have been here for a little while, um, you know that this has been an absolutely insane 2020. Uh, you know that there is a lot of disruption. You know that there is a lot of fear. You know that there is a lot of confusion. And uh, we are not unaware of what's going on in our church body. This past week has been an um, unusually um, difficult week, if I could just put it like that. And uh, we want to come and we want to address some of these things uh, in front of you. Uh, specifically, there's some stuff that happened this past weekend. And uh, we want to address and we want to talk about some of those things. So with that, I'm going to invite Marty up here real quick. Uh, last weekend, we encouraged the church to pray. And I know some of you guys got an email. And it was like really terrifying and stuff. But um, sorry about that. Uh, but this is the thing that we, we're going to talk about in a little bit is that we are a church that calls our, our body to pray. Uh, we ask God to do the things that we can't do for ourselves. I want to thank every one of you who joined us, be it through Zoom calls or you joined us in fasting and prayer that day. Uh, we heard a lot of the encouragement. We heard your prayers. And uh, we are trusting that God would bring peace, that he would bring healing, that he would bring unity to our body um, in incredibly trying and difficult times right now. And so uh, with that, I'm going to let Marty talk, and then we'll get into a little bit more of what we're talking about today. All right. Thanks, Aaron. I'm going to sit. And I, I also would say thank you for joining us in fasting and praying last, last week. We did feel your prayers and um, feel like God is... Um, at work, and we know that he is at work, and so um, the elders put together a statement just so that um, we could communicate that we're we're, we're unified on on these these things in response to some of the um, concerns and and division that we've seen in the church. So this is this is the statement: uh, there is division in our church right now, uh, which we acknowledge is not immediately evident to to many of you, um, especially since we've been unable to meet in whole for so long. Uh, many have asked for a statement from the elders on where we stand on a few specific issues. So this statement is meant to bring some clarity. Um, we fully support Aaron preaching the word and addressing the serious and real issues of race and racism in our country from a biblical perspective. It is our desire to bring unity and reconciliation among believers of different races where there has been an enormous chasm and, and much pain. This does not mean that we in any way endorse secular worldviews or, or theories. We do not endorse critical race theory or any other Marxist ideologies. We do not endorse the unbiblical beliefs of various social organizations. And we have no desire to become a cultural church uh, that allows culture to, to define what is true. We stand on the truth of God's word. As Aaron has preached, uh, we believe in biblical justice, obedience to God's word, and reconciliation expressed through love and forgiveness as, of others as Christ has forgiven us. We believe that the gospel is the only truth that has the power to reconcile us to God and to one another. Many in our church are hurting. There's much disagreement. And we beg you to show kindness, grace, humility, and forgiveness towards one another. As we discuss these tender issues with each other. Now we acknowledge as elders, we haven't led well in this. This statement uh, is weeks, uh, if not months late. Uh, our responses 
have not always been clear or in, in the same grace and kindness that we're requesting of you. We humbly apologize for that. We want to listen and respond well. Even, even if we don't have all the answers. Uh, we've been meeting with some life groups and individuals who have raised questions along the way. And we encourage anyone who would like to talk to reach out to us. We love you, um, the people of Dallas Bible Church. Many of whom come from different backgrounds and political leanings, which all pales in comparison to our unity in Christ. We are Christ's servants looking toward the coming kingdom. And may we be united around our mission to love all and help all follow Jesus. Now, if I may, uh, I'd like to just uh, have a time of prayer, lead us in some prayer here together. Heavenly Father, we do humbly come before you, and we ask that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you and to know your will. Help us to be a body that loves one another, that is willing to extend grace when we disagree, is willing to listen to one another, and to be united under the banner of the gospel and the lordship of Jesus Christ. We pray that you will bring healing, that you will bring reconciliation, and that you will help us to be a beacon of light and truth in this community stand on your word, and to stand for the gospel. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Guys, I'm going to go with the stool this morning, and uh, I'm going to sit, and I want to talk. And uh, I'm not going to be doing a whole lot of preaching today. And uh, I hope that you'll afford me the grace to um, just have a moment where we're talking. And... Um, as you heard from Marty, this has been, it's a really, really weird season. It's a really, really tough season. And um, it's tough seeing fractures in the body of Christ fight over, I mean, the list is, is endless of all the different things that have been taking place and the fighting and everything like that. And it's absolutely excruciating to see those things take place and to feel helpless to bring things about. And um, we are seeking God in this. So we are praying that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would bring this church body together, uh, that he would remind us of exactly what Marty talked about, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that every single one of us would be caught up in the beauty of the God that we came to worship and serve today, and that we would be so caught up in that affection and that pursuit that it would transcend any differences that may take place out in the body, and, uh, and that it would bring us together in absolute unity. I want to talk about some of these things here in just a little bit, and uh, I just want to acknowledge that this is a very scary season, and I think this is a good thing for our church body to acknowledge that 2020 is unlike anything that we've ever experienced before. Uh, there's change all over the place. I don't know how you guys typically respond to change. Any one individual change by itself, that could be scary by alone, right? I mean, one change by itself. You think about the number of different things. Last night, I was reflecting and just praying and saying, Lord, what are, you, what are we doing today? 
in light of uh, the disruption and things that, have, that are taking place. And I just started listing out things. I said, you know, the economy's changed. And I've talked with so many of you in here who have, who have cut back and you don't know how you're paying your bills and how terrifying of a thing that is. Many of you have lost jobs, and that is a reality that you're living in right now. It's a loved one that you are. It's a family member, something like that. Unbelievable amount of fear and terror right there. Uh, your rhythms have changed up, right? The, one, the families that have young kids, like you've got school. Are we in school this week? Or are we not in school this week? Do I need to come home and like, leave my job? Like what's going on? My brother's a, a principal over at North Junior High. And he was telling me, he said, this is one of the most difficult things in the world. It's like one person gets sick, then everybody in that original, everybody in that little circle gets called, and they now got to go home and quarantine for a week or two weeks or whatever it is, and then mom and dad have to come home from work, and like, everything's disrupted by that, and everybody's living day by day. It's an unbelievable disruption. Mom and dad are now working from home, whereas they used to go to an office, and they don't have offices there. They're sitting at the same table trying to figure out how in the world do we do this. You used to have a little bit of space in the day. Now you're on top of each other all day long. Unbelievable disruption is taking place right now. I'm talking with first responders in our church body that are weeping, that are weeping as they are watching their beds fill up day after day after day, and they're helpless to do anything about the spread of the pandemic. And they're talking with some who think it's a joke and doesn't exist, and they're sitting there fighting for people's lives, and they're weeping in our church body, and they're experiencing the stress and the pain of bringing that pain home into their church families and saying, hey, how do I pretend like this is normal right now? How do I pretend like, how do I put on a happy face for my kids right now? And this is happening. These are stories within our church body. And it's good to understand that your world isn't the only world that exists, that my world is not the only world that exists. And that this is taking place inside of our church body. Family dynamics have changed all over the place. There's legitimate people getting sick. There's legitimate people that are passing away. And this is taking place inside of our body. There is mourning that is going on. Uh, the, the, the culture is changing. I want to acknowledge this one. Over the time, many of us are mourning. Many of us um, is, uh, are mourning. There's a lot of uh, cultural changes that have been taking place over years, right? Uh, the definitions of gender, the definitions of marriage, the definitions of truth, the definitions of morality, all the things we've talked about ad nauseum around here, there's an enormous amount of change. There's a change going on politically. Maybe, maybe not right now, right? I guess all that stuff is still up in the air, but there's a lot of change taking place politically, and it brings an incredible amount of fear into the worlds in which we live. And so I wanted to come to you today and say there is a lot of change, and there's a lot of things that are vying for your attention, vying for our attention that could create a lot of fear. God is not changing. His word, church, is not changing. And I want to stand before you today and assure you with 100% certainty, we are not changing either, except by the indwelling Holy Spirit that is molding us more and more into his image every single day. The bedrocks of the faith that we have clung to from the very beginning as a church body, when we came together and we sat here and we said, we are going to be a church that loves all and helps all follow Jesus, we meant it on day one and we meant it today. And you need to understand that is the calling of Scripture, this combination of the great commandment which he has given us to love the Lord our God, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And then go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. This, this combination that says we exist to love all and to help all follow Jesus. We meant every single word of it back then. We, say, we meant every single word of it today. And what that means when we say that we love all, it means that we love all. It means that we don't just understand the people that are in our circle that look like us, talk like us, think like us. It means we take extra steps. It means that love is not just this warm, fuzzy feeling that we have. It is an action item that we do to go and engage someone where they are and to bring them into the truth of God's light or just simply sit there and love them. And so what that means is that we do talk about matters that we've been talking about. Race matters dearly. We are not going to be an all-white church. We won't. It is unbiblical. It is ungodly. You will get to heaven and you will see every tongue and every nation represented. And what that means is we need to walk out of our comfort zone from time to time to understand where people are, to love them where they are, to hear their voice. And it means that there's a lot that is said in the secular conversation around here. That is not the lens through which we do this. I hope you understand that. I hope you've heard me loud and clear. That is not the lens by which we view anything. We view everything through the lens of the word of God that is unchanging. It is inerrant without error. It is fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is authoritative right now for life now and for all of eternity. And so we come, into the, we come to the word of God and, and we see these things and we say, I care because you care. I weep with those who weep. I rejoice with those who rejoice. If I don't understand why you're weeping, I'm gonna find out why you're weeping and I will care because it matters to you. Church, this is what we're about. This is what we've always been about. We're not about critical race theory. We're not about Marxism. We're not about these, these crazy labels of, hey, you're always an oppressor. You're always the oppressed. Any of these crazy things that are out, that is not what we are about. Is there oppression? Yes, there is oppression. Are there oppressors? yes. Does, do we sometimes do that? Absolutely. When we learn of those things, we bring them to the Lord. We repent of those things. We turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and we say, Father, that is not of you. I have not been loving my brothers and sisters in as much as that may be relevant to where I am. We repent of those things. We turn to you for the good of your name and for the glory of your name everywhere. And so we do those things. And we, we, we care about those things. Church, this is who we are. We love all. We help all follow Jesus. And it's not just an arbitrary love that's all about warm, fuzzy feelings and stuff like that. We're moving somewhere. We want all people to know and to love Jesus and to be able to follow him well. So we don't just share the gospel. We do that. We go share the gospel so people can cross from death into life. And then we walk alongside them and we help them also understand the truths of his word and to be able to walk in light of those truths that we could be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and glorify him well with our lives. This is who we are. We've talked about our vision so many different times and we've said uh, a number of different things. We said that we wanna be a multiplying, mission-minded family that is marked by God's grace that brings joy to our city and glory to God. Meaning we wanna be growing, we wanna be multiplying, we wanna be passing on the faith from one generation to the next. We don't wanna be stagnant. This is not a country club. This isn't a feel-good kind of a thing where we come and just make good friends and do our life really well. We are moving somewhere. We are following Jesus, and in following Jesus, he is taking us somewhere. 
He has a mission. He is not a static, silent God. He is moving us somewhere, all for his praise and for his glory, which means that you and I are going to be growing up into the truth of God's word. And we are going to be moving and we're going to be engaging people who are outside the walls of this church with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be growing up believers into that faith. But we're going to be multiplying a mission-minded family. One of the most beautiful things I found out about this church when I first started five years ago is how well it loved each other. This is the thing that I heard over and over and over again was we are a family. We are a family that loves each other. And the beauty of a family is there is a loyalty and there is a commitment to a family. The word of God tells us we are a family. And as much as you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been brought into that family. He's given you the right to be called a child of God, a son or daughter of the king. We are family. But we're not just any kind of a family. We are a mission-minded family. Not like the Falkers, you know, on Meet the Parents, where this is the inner circle, and hey, uh, this is the circle of trust, and you're on the outside. We're like Medea's family. I've talked about that a number of different times. Like she hosts a barbecue, and like literally the entire community is available any given day of the week. They can come in at any time. Like we are a family that embraces the community, and anyone can come into this family to understand the truth of God's word, and we will grow together as a family. That's what we do. And so we are a mission-minded family that is moving somewhere. We are marked by God's grace, meaning we are going to be gospel-centric in everything that we do here at Dallas Bible Church. We are going to elevate the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to remind you over and over and over again of the beauty of God's love for us and how in our sin, in our rebellion, in our wandering from him, he didn't stop loving us. He didn't run away from us. He didn't grow tired. His love, it was full of patience. And he saw us in our wandering, and he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to come and live the life we could not live. He did what we could not do. It wasn't just an example of a good moral life. He went to the cross, and he suffered, and he bled, and he died, because our sin deserves death and separation from God. And so the just God that we talk about, he had to satisfy the just wrath of God against sin. And so he willingly went to the cross and he suffered and he bled and he died as a substitute for you and for me. And three days later, he walks out of the tomb alive, proving he is the son of God. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the sent one from the father. He is the perfect sacrifice. He is the holy substitute. And he's given us this gift of life. He's given us this grace. This, this, he calls us righteous. He calls us holy and beloved, not because of anything that we've done. I mean, take a look around you, church. Take a look at the dysfunction in 2020 alone. We aren't righteous we're not even remotely close. Not even his beloved, even in the church. Not even your pastor. It's just not there. And he's gifted us his righteousness. And he has given us his Holy Spirit. And he has given us his word. And day by day, in as much as we're willing to listen to him, and in as much as we are willing to come to him and say, Father, come and have your way in me, he does exactly that. That is the beauty of what we get to do. We get to come before a living and active God who didn't walk away. He's not unknowable. He's not far away. He comes and he meets us where we are. He gives us his presence and his Holy Spirit, and he shapes us more into his image every single and day. And so God is not changing. His word is not changing. We are not changing except to say, by the indwelling Holy Spirit, we are being shaped more and more into his image every single day. And that grace which he has given to us, it marks us, church. It does. 
We, we, we sit in this thing, man, and we savor it. We weep over it. We sing at the top of our lungs in a way we don't rejoice about anything else in the world because there's nothing like the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it does something in my soul that is so much better than the Cowboys winning a game. It's so much better than a Black Friday sale at Nordstrom's. You know what I'm saying? Like there's nothing like the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we sing about it. We praise him and we worship him. And we are a people that sit in the reality of that grace. And we are marked by that grace. It is who we are. And it humbles us. Man, it makes us go further than we've ever been willing to go. It makes us realize that we're family with people that don't look like us, think like us, live like us, have the same experiences like us. And it says, man, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to care about the things you care about. I want to know why you're weeping. We are, we've got to be a people of grace. We've got to be a people that are marked by that Grace. Not just sing about it or talk about it or, or, hey, I know the definition of that, but like every day, like the realities of what he's done for us, oh my gosh, it defines who I am. It changes the way that I engage with people. It changes my ability to forgive somebody when they've wronged me. It changes my ability to come and to say, you know what, I was wrong. And I humbly ask for your forgiveness Why? Because I know I'm not defined by the fact that I was wrong. God's given me grace and he's given me righteousness in spite of those things. And so there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation. So I can deal freely in the world of guilt and conviction, knowing that that doesn't define me. I can feel a conviction about certain things and not feel shame. I can take these things and say, what is this thing stirring inside of my soul that was said that's in God's word right here? And no, hey, this doesn't define me. I can bring it before the Lord our God and I can say, Father, what are you doing inside of my soul? Is there anything in here that you're trying to show me that you want to bring to the surface that I can be free of it so that I can walk more freely in your image for your praise and for your glory alone? We've got to be a people that are marked by grace And we are a church that wants to be good for our community, not just good in that we simply just simply do good things, but for the praise and for the glory of God's name. Church, that's who we are. It's who we've been from day one. It's who we are right now. It's who we're going to be years from now. Why? Because it's in God's word. This is the truth of God's word. We will be following it faithfully and loyally from here on out. We always have been, and we will be firmly committed to that thing. Church, we've talked about our values, some of our core values around here, that we want to be a church that's about God's fame, not our own. You're going to see it plastered on the walls, and this is how we live. Our values are the things that drive why we do what we do. We are about God's fame and not our own, and what that means is that when we pray that God is going to bring his favor and blessing, it's not just about DBC. We are a little C church in a big C church world. It means when God is doing incredible things over at Watermark or the Heights or at Gateway or at Prestonwood or at Northwest Bible Church or any of the other hundreds of excellent gospel-proclaiming, God-glorifying churches in the city, we don't compete with them. We celebrate them. Why? Because it's all about his fame, not our own. It's just not. If no one knows my name, no one knows your name, no one knows the logo here at DBC, I don't care. 
if God's name is being elevated and glorified all around this great city. We are about God's fame and not our own. We're about authentic worship and not empty religiosity. In other words, we hope and pray every Sunday when you leave this place and Monday through Saturday when you take off that you are worshiping and engaging in authentic and real worship of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That it's not empty religiosity, meaning we come and we gather and we go through a routine simply to do a routine because that's the religious thing to do. We come and we understand who the God is that we're worshiping. We surrender to him and all of our affections, all of our loyalty, all of our lives are given over in authentic worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a church that's about inspired truth, not shifting opinion. God's word is our foundation. God's word is truth. It is fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is without error. It is authoritative today, now, and always. We will gladly surrender to the truth of God's word. And we've been trying to talk a lot about many of the different competing worldviews, competing uh, ideas of truth that are out there in the world today. It's not the thing that we get caught up in. It's not the thing that we get caught up in ever. We're about global mission, not personal comfort. In other words, you and I, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand that you've been given a calling. You do have a purpose in your life that is for the praise and for the glory of God. And God has global intent. God has global purposes. It means we engage not just here in my personal life or my personal community. We do that, but then we even go outside of that and we engage in the global mission of God, which is to, again, as we talked about, to go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that he's commanded us to do. We have a global perspective, and so we don't live for the highest end of our personal comfort. It's not about acquiring more and more things, acquiring more and more um, comfortable life, even though we have it very, very comfortably right here. We, we, we are generous and we give it away and we, and we do things for the praise and glory of his name all around the world. We're about dependent prayer and not self-sufficiency. We believe that when we pray, that is the most powerful thing we can do because God is the one who eventually accomplishes all the things that we're asking for. We have a limit to the things that we can do. And so we are a people who live on our knees. And we ask God to move and to do the things we cannot do for ourselves. And lastly, we are a church that is about intentional relationships and not passive familiarity. This is one of the things we've talked about a number of times. It's why we have such a, uh, such a commitment to life groups and different groups around here at DBC. One of the beautiful things about our gathering here is that the majority of our church comes from about a five to six mile radius of this place. In other words, you already live in community with one another. Uh, You don't have to foster that. You don't have to force it or anything like that. And so we have an opportunity to have real intentional relationships that are moving somewhere, that are disciple-making relationships, where iron sharpens iron, where we encourage one another, stimulate each other more and more to further godliness. That's the opportunity that's here at Dallas Bible Church, that we're not just going to come and come and attend and and then take off and leave all the time and let that become the rhythm of our life for years and years and years and you don't have a real relationship here. My hope is that we are gonna engage in real relationships that take us somewhere. That we would be further um, uh, molded into the image of God as a result of some of these relationships. We talked about it a little while ago, the pyramid of communication. That we would be a people that uh, would engage in deep, real, meaningful conversations. I love this one. This is by a guy named Tim Uhoff. But he talks about the pyramids of communication, what it takes to build real intentional, real intimate, uh, reconciling kind of relationships. But he says there's five levels of a pyramid of communication. The first one is the most superficial. It's cliche. It's the, hey, I come by. Hey, man, how you doing? Good to see you. 
superficial cliche. It's, an inter- it's not wrong, it's just it doesn't take you anywhere. Number two is facts. You come and you engage and you say, okay, who won the game? Here are the facts, right? Here's the facts of a conversation. Number three is opinion. What'd you think about the game last night? And he says, number four and number five is what it takes to build real, intentional, authentic, life-giving relationships. Number four is emotive. Hey, man, how did that game make you feel? The things that you're seeing in the news take place, how is that impacting your life? How are you being impacted by the election? How are you being impacted by the riots that are in the street? How are you being impacted by the thing that led to the riots? Tell me what's going on inside of your heart. I want to know. And number five is transparency. When that person gets to this level and says, you know what? I feel safe to be who I am, to be honest about who I am, and to tell you I'm weeping right now and I'm mourning because of what's going on about any number of different things. Transparency is that place that says, who are you in light of this game? Who are you now? Who are you really in the context of everything that's going on in the world? And he says, you cannot have intentional relationships that take you anywhere unless you get to number four and unless you get to number five. Transparency and says, here's the truth of God's word. Here's what's going on in my life around me. I need to be shaped into his image more and more. And we have got to be a church that is all about these things, intentional relationships and not passive familiarity. Church, this is who we are. This is who we've always been for the past number of years. And this is who we will continue to be. And I wanted to come before you, and I just simply wanted to say, there is a lot that is changing in the world right now. And there is a lot that can stimulate fear. There's a lot that can bring about difficulty. God's word is not changing. God's character is unchanging. And we are not changing either. We will be firmly committed to the truth of God's word, and we will be firmly committed to loving all and helping all follow Jesus for the praise and for the glory of his incredible name. There's one passage I wanted to share with you guys, and I'm not going to preach it. You know, like, what were you just doing? Um, <laughs> I've been sitting on this verse uh, for the past number of weeks, and uh, it's John chapter 15, this famous verse about the vine and the branches. And um, just laid awake last night, and this kept coming to mind. I wanted to give it to you. I think that it is God speaking to the times right now that we are in, and I think it's essential that we hear it, and we hear God's encouragement in the middle of it all, because I think he has a word for us here this morning. So here's what he says. He reminds us, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. Church, we're in a pruning season right now. Do you see that? It's not just Dallas Bible Church. It's Big C Church. It's culturally. It's all over the place. I network with pastors in our city. We're all talking about the exact same things. I network with pastors in here for all around the country. We're talking about the exact same things. A fruitful church that we've enjoyed for a long time that we've sat here and we've celebrated. God is doing incredible things, and he absolutely has. And so next week, we're gonna celebrate in specific a lot of those things again. We can't celebrate enough the, good, the goodness of God and all the things that he's done. He is a faithful, faithful God, but what he's doing right now is he is taking fruitful churches, and he's pruning 
and he's cutting it back. Do you know why? So that we can be more fruitful in the future, he says. This is the beauty and the pain of pruning. You take a beautiful tree, and the gardener comes along and says, man, that is glorious and is great. It's time to cut back some branches so that they're going to grow even more beautiful in the future. Pruning is not fun. It's painful. It hurts. It's difficult. And the hope in the middle of this thing is that he's doing exactly that, that he's going to come in, in the middle of this pain, in the middle of a difficult season, in the middle of fear, in the middle of insecurity, that we're going to cling to him. And we're going to do exactly what James says, is that we're going to consider it pure joy, our brothers, when we encounter trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of our faith, faith produces endurance. If we cling to him in the middle of the season, he will produce a beautiful thing in you and in me and in our church body you could not have had apart from the difficulty. And so I want you to see what he says next. He says this, he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean, verse three, because of the word that I have spoken to you. And I want some of you to hear this today. If some of the fear that you maybe have, I don't want any of the fear that you have, just notice what he said, you are already clean because of the word that's been spoken to you. I don't know if you have any fear right now. I don't know if this has anything to do with any insecurity that you may be feeling. The one thing that is not changing is that God's cleansing is forever. You have been made clean, church. Do you know that? Like that is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He comes in, he grants you forgiveness, he cleanses you, he calls you child of God, son or daughter of the king. He comes in and he says, you have been justified and declared righteous in my name. You are now righteous, you are my holy beloved. He gives you a brand new standing and you have been made clean. There is a lot that is shifting, that is not one of them. I don't care what happened this past weekend. I don't care what your past may look like, what my past may look like. It doesn't matter what the reputation may have been, your failures, whatever it may be, you have been made clean if you are found in Jesus Christ. That's what he does. And it is glorious. It is glorious. If we will walk in it all the time and savor his beauty and his glory day by day. And then he continues and he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Church, this is what he's saying to us today. Some are terrified, some are scared. There's a lot of shifting ground. There's a lot of divisiveness out there. There are a lot of false rumors. There are a lot of things being said. Remain in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope has never been in our community, as great as we love our community. Our hope has never been in the church as much as I love our church. Our hope has never been in other people, other things, other organizations, leaders such as myself always getting it right. Your hope has never been in that. Our hope has been in the one who came and got everything right on our behalf. He got it right for us. He's the perfect one. You're not. I'm not. Your leadership and your elders, we're not. We're not. You aren't. Your life group. The people who voted differently than you, <laughs> right? Like that's never been our hope. And what he says right here is just remain in me. No matter what's happening around you today, you lost your job, your mom got sick, you don't know how you're gonna pay your bills, 
You're terrified about the election. You've got dissension in your life group, whatever it may be. Like, no matter what's going on around here, what Jesus is saying to you, what Jesus is saying to me, remain in me. Remain in me. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Church, my hope for us is that in the years to come, in the months to come, in the weeks to come, that God is going to produce a brand new thing here in our church body and in you and in your family that he would not have done otherwise. He is a faithful God even when we're not. There is incredible hope. There is incredible joy. There is unbelievable victory in the gospel of Jesus Christ that we gather every single week to sing about. Let us keep our eyes totally and completely fixated upon him. Let us be a people, no matter where you are, that remain firmly connected to him no matter what. And may we live to see days where we gather together and we say, you remember what God was doing in 2020? Oh my gosh. It didn't look like we were gonna be able to make out of it, but oh my, look at what he's doing in the middle of all of those obstacles. Remain in him, church. Remain in him. He is a good and glorious God. And if you will sit at his feet and soak in his goodness every single day, he will satisfy you in ways that will absolutely transcend the difficulties that we're going through today. I love you. Father, would you come and would you have your way in us? Lord, our confession today is that you're a good and holy God. You always have been, you always will be. You're faithful when we're unfaithful. We look to you in foggy times when we can't see what the next steps may be. God, we're looking to you. God, we ask for your help right now because it's hard. It's hard. We want to cling to truth, and it's hard to see your truth sometimes. We want to love each other, but it's hard. We want to believe you to provide, but our bank account says otherwise. It's hard. We call upon you today for mercy. Would you come and meet every man, woman, and child today, wherever they are? Would you hug them, God? Would you draw them close? Would you remind them of your faithfulness? Would you remind them of your mercy and your grace? Would you allow it to wash over them today? That they would walk away from this place, be it online or in person profoundly confident of the God we've come to serve. We receive the pruning. We receive discipline, Father. Would you let our ears be attentive to the things that you want us to learn in the middle of this season? God, would we repent of the things that we need to repent of, the ways that we've mistreated people, ignored them, been apathetic, Whatever the thing may be in us personally, Father, we repent of those things. We want to turn from them and say, come, Lord Jesus, come. You have all of me. You have all of me, God. Make me into your image more and more today than any day before. God, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you this day in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.